The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Store. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 88. And we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about, but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing well, Brennan. How are you? I'm good, but then I'm not the one who was camping in a yurt. Well, it's not really camping. I mean, it's got a bathroom and a shower and a pellet stove, a locking door. Are these um, all traditional yurt accoutrement, or is this sort of like a modern yurt? I don't know. This is my first. Like saying it. This is my first yurt experience. You're a yurchin. <laughs> I'm a I'm a yurchin. No, it was great. In fact, it was really cool because they have a great big, or this one did, um, a great big skylight at the center, and oh, yeah. um, it rained like crazy the night we were there. Oh, that sounds really nice. Yes. And even though we were only gone for one night, it honestly felt like we were gone for a week. It was so cool. And it's really only about 40 minutes away. So I took my laptop and I worked away at the book. So it was it was actually really good. Oh, that's fantastic. And of course, the book that let's remind everyone. That Vancouver's is- Most Haunted coming out October 2021. Very exciting. <laughs> And you're still, I mean, uh, even though you're sort of in the process of writing, you're still looking for stories, right? I'm totally open. My only parameter I've set for myself is I get 30 chapters. And by chapters, I mean locations. So I'm really open. If someone comes to me with, hey, I had this experience at this place and they're willing to talk to me about it and I can change your name, that's not a problem. But if you can come and talk to me about an experience you had, could be a private home, could be a well-known public place. I don't care. I am more than willing to boot something off the table of contents um, to get a more compelling story. So yeah, I it's not locked down yet. So 
um, I'm I'm pretty open. So yeah, please, if you have Vancouver stories, I want to hear them. Go yeah, send those to uh, ghost story guys at gmail.com and just mention you know Vancouver story in the subject line because uh, yeah, we'd be love, love to be able to incorporate some stuff from our listeners into that book. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that would be amazing. Before we get to anything else as, as far as the show goes, though, I, I wanted to share this article. And we've talked about this, I believe, on Cabin Fever and, and the live show as well. But previously on the show, I mentioned the app Randonautica. Oh, yes, which, yes. Yeah, it like generates a, uh, a random point for you on a map. And then the idea is you go there and it's sort of meant to break you out of your standard walking routines. Right. And because I am such a creature of habit, I very much have those things. Right. You know, I very, very much have like locked in routines. So it's nice when something comes along that kind of jars you out of that. So I've, I've been playing around with that, done a lot of neat stuff. Well, it turns out some kids, teenagers down in Seattle, they did a random walk that took them to the beach where they found a dead body. Oh, no. Yes, in a suit, stuffed into a, a plastic bag in a suitcase. So natural causes is oh, on. Oh no! <laughs> could they get more stereotypical horror movie? No, I don't think you could. Not unless uh, the body climbed out of the suitcase and pursued them. I think that might but that might be the limit. How how do you know about this? Like, was it a news story or something? Oh yeah, it was reported. Uh, it was reported in the news in uh, somewhere out of Seattle, and then the uh, magazine or website Nylon did a piece about Randonautica itself. Oh my gosh. That app really blew up a little while ago, so it, it got hard to use. I think it was just it was overloaded with users. Oh wow! And so I imagine now after this, it's going to be the same. So I'll have to lay off it for a while. <laughs> Everyone's going dead body hunting. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fascinating app, and again, I think it's going to get overrun here if it's not already. But uh, once it quiets back down, listeners, you, again, it's just great for breaking you out of habits. I've, I've sort of found new little cut throughs and things like this since I started doing it. Uh, so I, I do recommend. That's awesome. That. That's really neat. No, it's, it's, it's pretty cool and creepy because a dead body is involved, which segues us nicely into our selection of listener stories that we're going to be telling tonight. <laughs> like finding a corpse on the beach. Here are some stories. <laughs> that is terrible. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's late. We've been recording for a while. <laughs> We've already recorded two shows. It's, it's true, yeah. <laughs> My powers of Segway are weak. Oh my God, that's funny. But yes, we do have an amazing selection of listener stories tonight, and we are looking forward to getting to those. So I guess we'll do that. Take a quick break, and we'll be right back with listener stories. Welcome back. As we said before the break, this episode is going to be another fantastic batch of listener stories, and we're finally getting closer and closer to the present. You know, we always joke about how how far behind we are <laughs> on sharing listener stories, and I still think we're about four months behind, but, uh, but we're, we're making progress. Before we get there, though, there was something I wanted to touch on. Mm -hmm. It was an email, and the email came from a listener named Sharon. Sharon said she's listened to all of uh, season four, and, and we don't actually, like, we don't really break the show into seasons. That's more of an iTunes thing. Right. 
We did learn that the hard way, though, didn't we? Yes, we did. (laughs) (laughs) I looked at this on iTunes one day and I thought, where the hell are a bunch of these episodes? Yep. (laughs) And yeah, so I had to break it. We had to break it into seasons. But she said that she's a fan of the show and she's listened to season four and season three and a bit of season two. But she she said that since Turducken, which if you're new to the show, and I know we do have some new listeners, Turducken is sort of our handy way of referring to the current situation in the world. Because just saying the goddamn virus's name starts to wear on you after a mm-hmm. while. And, you know, much like Turducken, it's it's gross and no one wants it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so since Turducken, she feels uncomfortable to go back to the pre-Turducken shows. And, you know, I kind of get that. I just started listening to a show called This is Van Color. And it's, it's a Vancouver-based podcast where they interview notable people from in and around Vancouver. Right, right. And I've only really listened to the Turducken and forward episodes. And, and there's almost like, yeah, like this aversion to listening to the pre stuff, you know, cause it, I don't know. I don't know if it's because I'm, I, I'm worried they're going to talk about how great the future is going to be and, and then <laughs> having to face up the disappointment of that. But Sharon said that it kind of clicked in my mind and I thought, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's easy to do that because I think what we've been going through has been so all encompassing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a worldwide issue. And that's and, the jarring side of it for me is that I kind of forget that it is not just my little town. It's, it's, it's everywhere. And and you, oh, you catch yeah. those news stories and you're like, oh, right, it's happening there too. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's it's literally a, a worldwide phenomenon and not in the great K-pop way. No, it's, no. <laughs> it's easy to forget that, that this will one day end. Yeah. And, and I guess that's why we wanted to bring this up uh, before we got on the, the, the actual stories, because, you know, we, we've all adapted it, it to, you know, in one way or another to the present situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's mm-hmm. good because I think yeah. it shows us that we can adapt no matter what. Yeah. You know, we, we get used to being comfortable, sure. But when it comes down to it, we are an adaptable species mm-hmm. and we will survive and we will figure out a way to live and to live well. But we adapted so well, I, I think we forget that this current crisis mode, this sort of, in a way, kind of like wartime mode is not going to be forever. No, it's not. And, and just like after wars, the world is different, but I don't think that means it's a bad thing. Not at all. I, I you know, we, we've talked before about offline and, and online about how travel is going to change mm-hmm. and, and interaction mm-hmm. will change. Mm-hmm. But again, maybe those are things that needed to change. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the other side of it is, um, you know, the one thing human beings hate more than anything is change. And the only thing that is inevitable is change. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> we're going to we make with the stories and, and the dick jokes here in a sec. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, we just wanted to take a moment to say to Sharon and to everyone, everyone who's struggling with what's going on right now, as we, we are as well. This is a temporary situation. And however long it lasts, if it's another year, if it's another two or if it's six months. You know, at the end of it, things will be good again. Mm-hmm. And we will find a way to make our lives great and healthy and happy. And we're going to do that together. Right now, this has been a great opportunity for us to remember, oh, shit, I actually like other people. <laughs> I miss people, you know. And so that's that's why we call this show, uh, this episode is called This Is Not The End. Mm-hmm. Because uh, well, it's not. And uh, even if it is, the end is just an opportunity for another beginning. There you go. So that's, uh, that's all my wisdom. I and know. So now we sound like a sampler on your mom's bathroom wall. <laughs> my mother would never. Maybe an ashtray hanging on the wall. I think it's about <laughs> as highfalutin as she is going to get. I love it. But yes. All right. So enough of that. 
and on with the stories. Our first listener story comes from Kim. I'm cracking up at episode 78 and Brennan's sidebar account of the rattlesnake in Joshua Tree. My husband and I have a weekend house in JT, and I too have seen that snake at the Oasis, when my hubby suggested hiking over those same damn boulders. Anyway, you guys should do an episode on Joshua Tree. It's definitely a sort of vortex. I've experienced sleep paralysis twice when we first bought our house there and started renovation. I would be hearing footsteps and feeling the weight of something climbing into bed next to me when I knew my husband was already up outside doing chores or in town. According to my hubby, I've also woken up twice speaking a different language. Not gibberish, he says, but an actual language. And me being clearly frustrated that he did not understand. Another time, my cousin was visiting, and we'd just come home from a hike when we heard the wind catch the back door, throwing it open. We heard the curtains whoosh, and the sound of the door slamming shut again, and when I went to check it out, the door was locked. I poured myself a martini and tried to forget it. Alien shit. Our house sits at the very end of a box canyon. The end of the road and behind our house is all BLM land. BLM is the Bureau of Land Management. So even though we have neighbors, it's very private. And once we close our gates, it's like there's no one else around. Right before dusk one evening, I walked back into the wash that leads to the canyon. There's some boulders back there that I love. And when it's been a warm day and starts to cool off in the evening, the rocks retain the heat. I like to lay on them and meditate and wait for the stars to start popping out. Anyway, I saw what I thought was the first star, and then it moved. Not like an airplane or a satellite, but fast, like it disappeared. And then it was back and did the same fast-moving shit, only this time like a triangle pattern. Needless to say, I got up and walked the fuck back home, because who has time for an alien abduction? When I got back home, my husband was on the phone with the sheriff's department because I'd been gone for hours, when to me, it only felt like 45 minutes to an hour at the most. Man, the the missing time thing freaks me out. I, I know I've said that on here before, but it, it bears repeating. Well, because there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You have no idea what the hell's going no. on. And uh, I remember when I was writing, because uh, there's a chapter in my book, A Strange Little Place, uh. via audiobook on Amazon, ACX, and Audible. <laughs> Oh, we're changing the tagline, are we? Yeah, who gives a shit about selling physical copies? I make like 80 cents on those things. I make way more on the audiobook. You think? Okay, yeah, fair enough. I haven't seen the revenue statement yet. I, I probably don't make less. We'll put it that way. No, probably, probably not. But when I started writing it, I, I actually felt, and, and probably some of it is just paranoia, but I felt like I wasn't alone. Oh, wow. And it got worse when I got home and I, I went to finish the chapter. I was sitting at my... Uh, you know, shitty table that I call a desk. Yeah. And yeah, I got deeper and deeper into it. And I finally got so paranoid because I, I just felt like there was someone watching me. Almost like extend. you had to be careful what you said because it didn't want you to reveal too much. Maybe. Yeah. As kooky as that sounds. No, I, I get had, it. I get that. I had to go outside and just be outside to feel like a connection to the world. Wow. It was the strangest thing. So, so yeah, Kim, I, I very much understand like the, uh, that being totally weird. That's, Interesting. Um, yeah. And, and oh. that's so common too, this, this sense that you're, well, I've only been gone, you know, X amount of time. Right. But it, it turns out to be, to be much more. And, and just one more thing before we go to, she mentioned Joshua Tree, because, you know, I, I did tell that story about the honking rattlesnake. 
the reason I was in Joshua Tree back in 09 is I was hiking with a friend and, you know, me and hiking, not a thing. <laughs> but my friend was very outdoorsy and literally no one else would go with him. So he kind of worked his way down to me. And we ended up couch surfing with a couple in Joshua Tree. And oh man, were they weird. <laughs> we sat around getting drunk at their kitchen table. And I remember her boyfriend. And th- these folks were in their 50s, as I recall. Right. But the boyfriend was telling her, was telling us drunkenly about the fantastic trip that he was going to take his girlfriend on. We're going we're gonna to get on my Jeep Rubicon. And he didn't have a Jeep Rubicon. Uh-huh. That was like his fantasy vehicle was a Jeep Rubicon. How desperately sad. And I'm going to take her to all the places I took all my girlfriends when I was younger. Oh, jeez. And she looks so happy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so happy. <sighs> And they started fighting and, it, oh man, it was, a, we ended up playing board games. It was the second tensest board game night I've ever had. You know I, yeah, one. shut up. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Joshua Tree, man, beautiful place. But we ended up staying with some strange people. And I had the, I think the worst hangover of my life there, but that, that's another story entirely. You're funny. So thank you again, Kim. Thank you, Kim. This story comes from Melissa. You will need a bit more background before I begin with my ghostly tales. I've always been a bit sensitive, which I'm pretty sure inherited from the old man, but I have become adept at blocking it out. However, there is a spot right in the middle of my forehead that will get sort of thick with pressure, and I know that something or someone unseen is milling about trying to get my attention. I will also occasionally end up somewhere fully aware I am being led and go anyway. Sigh. I was an equestrian coach for about 25 years, and there was this one particular old abandoned house that I would pass by on my way to work. It was very small and boarded up and quite close to the road. Every time I would pass that house, my eyes were drawn straight to it, and I would get that tingle between my eyes. I ignored it for several years, and then I retired from being a coach as I got pregnant, surprise, and had a baby girl at 47. Yep, that's right, 47. I had to stop traveling, but I still had to pass the house all the time. One cold winter day, I packed a flashlight and rode my bike down to the house. Why, you ask? Because when you are 47 and have a baby, you will use any excuse to get out of the house. Upon arriving at the tumble-down shack, I made my way around to the back and crawled up onto the collapsing porch and slunk my way over to the door. The interior was full of pots and pans and broken plates and books and stuff. I carefully made my way around to the door of the living room, where the floor slanted down to the interior corner, before giving way to the cellar. Everything was in the process of sliding in that direction, but it was a treasure trove of county history. On this day, I only went about three feet inside the room, because my forehead alarm button was pounding like a school fire alarm. I found a few interesting things, put them in my backpack, and skedaddled, because my flashlight had died and it was dark. Every time I passed that house for the next year, the alarm button lit up and a little voice said, you aren't done here. So when it got cold again, I headed back down with two flashlights and a backpack. This time I made my way around the edge of the living room, sifting through bits of this and that. Now, mind you, I never felt threatened. A little uncomfortable, but not threatened. Over near the front door, about three feet in, were two boxes. I was looking through the first box of crumbling old books and papers, when I felt an unmistakable tug on the hair at the right side of my head. Hard enough to be uncomfortable, but not to hurt. My flashlight had begun to dim, so I pulled out the other one and shined it all around me and over my head. Nothing. I went back to looking in the box. 
Being an amateur historian, there was some neat stuff to be catalogued for the historical society. Once again, there was a hard pull to my hair. I shined my light all around thinking, okay, this is for real. I realized at this point that I was being directed to the second box. Inside, I found two old Bibles. It was at that moment that I knew I had gotten what I was sent for. I was also ready to get the heck out of Dodge as my second flashlight was now beginning to flicker. I don't know if the whole flashlight thing is a real paranormal phenomenon or not, but I can tell you in this house my flashlights kept going dead. I made my way home with my treasures and eagerly pulled the Bibles out to investigate. Now, I'm not a religious person, don't tell my mama or any of my neighbors for that matter, but I have tremendous respect for the sacred nature of the family Bible. Upon inspecting the Bibles, I realized that they both belonged to one woman, Ruth. One was her personal Bible, and the other was given to her as a gift from her brother. Sadly, I also found tucked into the Bible her beautiful, handwritten death notice, with a black ribbon tied neatly in the corner. I did a lot of research on Ruth and her family. I am convinced that she didn't want to be forgotten or her Bibles to be lost. I eventually found some of her relatives in Florida and recorded her Bible with the Daughters of the American Revolution and our local university. The family didn't ever retrieve the Bibles or the tintype picture I also found, so I'm keeping them safe until I can figure out what to do with them, or Ruth gets back in touch. I have many other encounters to share at another time. I did want to tell you that shortly after my father died, I awoke to three loud knocks on my bedroom door that leads to the porch. I said out loud, you cannot come in. Maybe I dreamed the knocking, who knows. You had also asked that if anyone had any experience with orbs to let you know. Shortly after my dad died, my husband and I were laying on the couch watching Netflix when the hair stood up on my left arm. I alerted my husband and pushed the hair back down. A few moments later, the hair stood back up and a greenish orb about quarter of an inch crossed my arm and my chest and disappeared. This is the one and only time I've seen anything like that. So, thank you for sharing that story, Melissa. Uh, thank you for sharing that story, Melissa. No, I think that's really interesting. And I think she's very brave to take stuff from that house because, honestly, one of my personal rules is never take anything from a haunted house. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because you never know who's going to be upset that you took it. But, you know, she felt like she was supposed to, so good for her. Yeah, and I, I think it's really cool that she actually made sure to log where this thing is going to go. Yeah, that was cool, actually. That's um, a step further than a lot of people go, so I was impressed by that, too. Yeah, because a lot of people just hoard. You yeah. know, they, they'll, they'll kind of, like, raid yeah. a place like that. Like and trophies from a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, on the subject of, you know, how this uh, ghostly thing kind of pulled her hair, I actually had this weird thing, uh, I guess about a month and a half ago, and I, I haven't talked about this on the show, but I was having some internal discomfort. So I saw mm -hmm. a doctor mm -hmm. and it turns out that I had a fatty liver uh, because I had just, you know, ever since Turducken hit, I had just been plowing through garbage food yeah, and not going very far. You know, I think a lot of people kind of turn to, to destructive habits at certain points. Mm -hmm. I certainly did. And so, um, yeah, it turns out that was the result of that. And it was pretty easy to course correct. You know, I, I said to the doctor, do I need to worry about this? And he said, no, just stop eating shit. You'll be fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I did. And, and yeah, the, the, the discomfort has gone. But what's interesting is when the discomfort started going, I woke up that night and I felt as though someone had taken two fingers and slapped that side of my abdomen. Oh, ouch. Well, not, not in a painful way. It was almost like, uh, you ever had a doctor like do sort of an abdominal test yeah, on you where he'll yeah. kind of like hit you and then listen to it? Sure. It was like that. Okay. And I just woke up in the night and again, it felt like someone had just kind of gone like, boop, 
on, oh. on that side. Interesting. And yeah, it didn't hurt. It was just startling. And yeah. of course, you know, Nick was curled up on her side of the bed and there was no one else in the room. So I don't know. Hmm. Thought, I, thought I'd mention that, that weird little thing. That's cool. Thanks again for the story, Melissa. Mm-hmm. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Our next story comes from Blair. I have a couple of stories involving spooks, specters, and ghouls of all kinds. I'd like to preface this by saying that I am very spiritual, but not religious, and I'm very interested in ghosts and all other spooks. When I was little, I was able to see ghosts and spirits. I visited Boston and saw what I thought was a reenactor from some American Revolution event until he walked through a wall and disappeared. So, needless to say, ghosts and I go way back. My first story is one of the most recent. So, I work in the theater industry, mostly live theater. One of the things all my coworkers and bosses know is that most, if not all, theaters are haunted in my area and everywhere else, I just like to say. I was waiting in the front and mixing a concert in a fairly well-known theater in my area. It's an older building that used to be a church, and it shows in the architecture. My boss has shared stories of three beings that reside in the theater. The first is a lady in a yellow dress who is unkind to visitors. The second is a man in suspenders and a white shirt with long brown hair. And in the dome of this theater is an evil spirit. No one knows what it looks like. I've had a bunch of small experiences. The dressing room trash can scooting across the floor. Plywood almost falling on me in the dome. Small stuff like that. But what really took the cake was this concert. My best friend and co-worker and I were sitting in the front row over to the side so we could hear the combined sound of the different elements of the concert. I looked over, and standing next to the stage, which was raised about five feet off the floor, was this guy. He was about average height, with longish brown hair and wearing a black suit. I turned to my best friend and said, What do you think that guy over there is doing? And my friend turned to me and asked which guy I was referring to. When I gestured to the man, my friend looked at me oddly and said, There's no one there. I told my friend there is 100% someone, something there. And he said, Oh, you mean the shadows over there? He gestures to the exact same place where I was seeing this specter. I got back to work. When I looked up again, he was gone. We asked our other co-worker, who was a huge skeptic, if he saw anything. He hadn't, but did say he felt like something was wrong all night. It makes me wonder if there are different levels to who can see spirits. Because I saw a full-bodied apparition, my best friend saw a shadow, and our mutual friend just felt uneasy the entire time. My second story is something else. This all started about three years ago, which is also the time I lost my late best friend. I wonder if there's a connection there, even though my ghostly roommate and my late best friend do not share a name. 
There would be little things, like small toys turning on by themselves, objects moving around when I wasn't looking at them, doors opening and closing, classic haunted house stuff. One night I was home and asked the presence for its name, and the name I got was Claude. Claude is actually a pretty cool roommate, if I say so myself. Even as I type this, an eraser just fell from a shelf onto my lap. A lot of the stuff that has happened isn't dangerous, it's just mischievous. For example, I was sitting with my best friend co-worker on the piano bench, and sitting next to the piano in the corner of the room was a bass guitar. My best friend and I were hanging out, playing chords, and having a good time, not paying attention to the bass guitar, until I heard a weird noise. I look over, and the bass was shaking. Not that much, but it was vibrating. I told Claude, hey, I'm not going to play the bass. The bass still shook. I said, Claude, please stop. And the bass stopped shaking immediately. My friend and I shared a mutual look of what just happened. And now we talk about it every time we bring up ghosts. This isn't the only time I've talked to Claude and he's directly responded. I was interested in a man and not being subtle about it. But the night before I was planning to ask him out, he texted me to ask if I thought a mutual friend would be interested in dating him. So, me, level 100 friend-zoned and not in the mood for any ghostly activity, do what I normally do and went to the piano to play. Me being me, I started crying because men are stupid, sorry guys, and stopped playing. The bass next to me started shaking, and so did the light fixture on top of the piano. I was facing away from the piano while I was crying, so it's not like I was making the piano shake, and at this point I was just done, so I yelled out, Claude, I am not in the mood and everything stopped shaking. The house was dead silent. I gathered myself together and muttered, God damn, I need some chocolate. No sooner had the words left my lips than the chocolate bars I kept hidden from myself on a high shelf flew off the shelf and onto the floor in the kitchen. I looked up onto the shelf. There was no way it flew off without having something to physically help it along. I thanked Claude, ate some, and then put the rest back. I haven't actually seen a physical manifestation of Claude, but I know what he looks like, and I don't know how. I know he's about five foot ten with dark brown hair and brown eyes, and he wears a white shirt and dark pants. I also know he isn't rooted to the house I live in, but to me. I was at my friend's house when the lights started flickering. As a kind of joke, I put out into the room, Claude, not now, stop please, and the lights stopped. My friend looked at me terrified but impressed, and then said, Claude, if you're here... Do that thing with the lights again. The lights immediately darted back up. Claude has also followed me to work a couple times, but on trying days finds misplaced objects. A pencil here, other times something I knew I left in the other room, and basically does other things to make my day easier. So I don't know. Is this a ghostly entity harmful? I'd argue no. Is this some help from the great beyond or a caring spirit helping out a living soul? I can't say but this is definitely a topic I'd like to explore. I don't know that. I mean, it doesn't sound particularly harmful to me. No, I don't think so. I don't think so and, at all. It actually I, sounds kind of nice. Yeah. And I got to tell you, uh, a ghost that provides me chocolate when I'm sad. <laughs> that's a true friend. Right? That's the kind of spiritual attraction I want. No one else is uh, pulling a, you know, a Hershey's out of the, uh, out of the cabinet. No, party. no, or not I even, not even my life friends are doing that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you son of a bitch, never brought me a chocolate bar. So no, that, that's pretty sweet. I, I understood what she was saying when she said, I've never seen Claude, but I know what he looks like and I don't know how. I totally resonate with that. 
Oh, really? Well, that's what happens to me. I get pictures, right? Right, of course. I don't. I've never actually seen a ghost, but I get pictures, and so I totally get it when she said, "I know what he looks like, but I've never seen him." It's like, yep, been there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in fairness, most of the pictures you get are through Tinder. <laughs> Not anymore. I do miss living vicariously through your single day, <laughs> through your single days. Oh, it's pretty wild. <laughs> that was a wild ride. I'm leaving this in the show, by the way. Oh, thank you for that. Yes, well, I'll I'll edit around some of it. But, uh, <laughs> oh man, I learned stuff when you were single, Ian. Hey, I learned stuff. It was it was like Aladdin. It was a brave new world. It was world. it was you and me living the electric company in real life. <laughs> That's right. Conjunction, conjunction, junction, <laughs> <with your> function. <laughs> I'll never forget sitting in the office, and you came in after the uh, after work. And you had just your phone was just blowing up. <laughs> I had never, ever experienced that in my life. You're like, do you want to see these pictures? No, no, I don't. Well, you're gonna anyway. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry, Blair. I, I, you told us this lovely story and I have sullied it with Ian's, Ian's yeah, his wild single days. <laughs> and Blair, I think we've all been there where we're like working up the courage to ask our crush out. And then they're like, so do you think so-and-so likes me? And you're like, oh God. <laughs> oh yeah yeah so okay. bringing it back around thank you so much blair and uh let us know how it's gone because i know that was a couple of months ago mm, so mm-hmm. yeah let us know if if anything has changed yeah this story comes from kim i want to share with you something that happened to me which rocked my world more than any other paranormal encounter it happened in my early 20s almost 30 years ago now but it's as fresh in my mind as though it was yesterday the backstory I grew up in the 70s in a very small town in northern England where not many people came or left. I went to a small primary school and there was this boy, we'll call him Larry, in my class who came from a dysfunctional background. He was always in trouble with teachers and got the label of a naughty boy, but even at that tender age I could understand that this was not the case and he was no doubt neglected at home. So, although I wouldn't call us friends as such, I would go out of my way to treat him like a human. In high school, we hardly ever saw each other. I think the mud stuck from primary, and he didn't get on so well academically. From time to time, I would hear of the trouble he was in, and I'd feel sorry because nobody who was in a position to help seemed to see past the facade of bad boy. Fast forward to my early 20s, and I'd actually managed to leave the small town. I had moved to the larger neighboring town to train to be a nurse, and once qualified, I worked for a year, then took a sabbatical, backpacking in India. This trip spanned the best part of a year, but taken in two parts as I came home when the monsoon hit and worked in a nursing home as a stopgap to save for my next ticket. I was walking home from a late shift along the back streets. It was quiet, dark, and cold. The weather had turned to late autumn and the ground was damp. It was a decent, middle-class suburban area, nothing around but houses and not particularly a main route from or to anywhere if you didn't live around there. Suddenly I saw a man approaching from a short way off, walking very deliberately, making a beeline for me, in fact. It was Larry. It didn't occur to me at the time how I knew it was him. I was slightly short-sighted, but too vain to wear glasses, so I got used to recognizing people by their gait. Even so, I hadn't seen Larry for years, and there was nothing remarkable about the way he walked. All I could think was, wow, that's Larry. What's he doing here this time of night? He'll miss the last bus home and he's miles from the station. As he approached, I noticed in passing, but not enough to consciously register, that he had a strange light about him. Nothing obvious, just different from the surroundings somehow. Like that strange light before a thunderstorm. 
he walked directly up to me like he'd been seeking me out, and he greeted me with my full name. Normally I'm quite a tactile person and would automatically hug, but something told me not to touch him. There was an edge in the air, but I thought this was my inner safety mechanism, as I'd heard on the grapevine he had moved on the wrong side of the law. Nevertheless, I was genuinely pleased to see him and greeted him warmly, and we talked for at least ten minutes. I was telling him some fairly personal stuff, all the while thinking, why the hell are you telling him that? Whilst he offered vague answers to my questions and evaded details, but I didn't think too much of it. Given his chosen path, I understood he wouldn't want to give too much away. I asked him what he was doing here, and he waved his hand in a general direction and said, oh, I just had to see somebody down here. We chatted a bit longer and said goodnight. I wished him well, and he carried on in the opposite direction. A second later, I wanted to say something else, so I turned around to call him back, but he'd vanished. I walked down the road looking for him in backyards and side roads before turning back, confused, on my way. Just then I looked down and saw a frog at the side of the road and thought, poor thing, wrong time of year for you to be out, and bent down to move him to a safer space. At which point, he vanished, like, totally vanished, before my hands could reach him, into thin air. This completely freaked me out, and I questioned my sanity at that point. I went back to India shortly after that, and when I returned, I heard that Larry had died in our hometown in a police car chase. Years later, I joined Ancestry to research my family tree, and, out of curiosity, looked up Larry. Well, if you hadn't already guessed, it turns out that he was dead when we had that conversation. He died late in the summer, when the nights were still light. Now, I've had some pretty hairy moments with spirit in the course of my life. Like I said, I take most of them in my stride these days, but this... This has left me questioning the very basis of my reality. How do I know if the people I see down the shops are all living? How many are walking amongst us that we don't know about? The more I think about it, the more it bends my mind and it's like going down the rabbit hole. I have my own thoughts as to why Larry visited me that night, but as this story is already quite long, I'll keep them to myself. So, first off, uh, let me just say thank you, Kim. Uh, that I love that story. Mm-hmm. And it really fits our, our uh, theme of this is not the end. Yeah, absolutely. That's fascinating for a lot of reasons. I, what really sort of excited me about that story was the disappearing frog. Now, why that part? So it's because it shows to me that there was some kind of shift. Okay. That's, that's, that's how, I, how I perceive that. How can I put this? It wasn't just, okay, well, I saw someone. Because you could always say, well, maybe maybe I got the dates wrong and, and I actually saw Larry before he died. Right. Because I, I had that thing happen with my neighbor where I, again, I'm certain I saw him because I thought he was back from the hospital and I found out, no, he never came out of the hospital. He's dead. Right. And to this day, I, I'm certain that, you know, I saw him when he was dead. Yeah. But because that doesn't make sense, I feel my brain actively fight that. Right. I get that. There's nothing else for me to point to. I just have that fixed point. And because of the uncertain nature of that and the unlikely nature of that, I can find ways to kind of go, ah, eh, maybe not. Mm-hmm. But this, because she had that and then the frog. And the frog, again, that says to me, something changed. Something was different. Something was different. It's not yeah. just Larry. Yeah. It's not yeah. just, oh, my memory put this at the wrong point. And her thought of, um, you know, how many people I see are like this. It, it actually connects to something I've kind of thought about. I know we don't talk too much on the show anymore about like general paranormal theory. Mm-hmm. You know, we try to stick to storytelling because, you know, we're not experts and who knows. But I was driving about a year and a half ago and I had this wild ass idea. And I thought about natural systems. When you say if you got a, tra a traffic system 
And what, what does traffic do? Well, if you've got a traffic system, if, you, if you're looking at, at the larger system of traffic, you know, red lights, green lights, there's a plan to it. There's a flow. Right. If you've got a busy road, then you try and direct traffic to the less busy places. And I had this thought about situations like what she was describing, what Kim was describing. A lot of people describe, when, when they talk about portals and things like this, they often describe them having a kind of hexagonal shape. Right. Almost like, like these gates are somehow hexagonal in nature. And mm. I just had this image in my head of these like gates opening and closing all over the road and cars going in and out and people going in and out almost like, and again, this is just totally talking on my ass, but the natural system is no different. Right. And so when, you know, say there is congestion on one plane, well, who's to say that it doesn't shift downshift to us. So to us, it just, because it doesn't affect our day to day, right? Right. Like the river, the river flows regardless of us being there and be, you know, because this is sort of the path of least resistance, the, the, it just, the overflow kind of naturally comes here, but right. because it's not unnatural phenomenon, it's just a car. We don't perceive it as being unusual. Hmm. You know, like it's sort of, I kind of imagine like maybe this explains certain things, not everything, but certain things because things are being shunted through our visible reality mm -hmm. because wherever else they had intended to be, it, it is too busy. And maybe just sometimes if you're paying enough attention, you kind of see like, you like the whole glitch in the matrix thing, you know, you see these little breaks or these right. little like diversions. Right. Right. And that's when you get things like the disappearing frog because right. you're the, or, or even that thing that happened to me in the hospital when I was a kid. Mm hmm. You know, because you're, you're, you're present for these slight, they're not even malfunctions. They're just, they're just like moments where two different realities are meeting up in order to exchange, like sort of exchange, um, like system load. Right. In, in order for one to discharge like what is too much activity. Right. And then things just kind of settle back. Hmm. So anyways, that, that that's my, uh, you know, Brent's sitting out on the balcony smoking weed after work. <laughs> That's funny. I do wonder too, I wonder if maybe Larry, because I don't think it's a, it's chance. Right. That you, even if we're talking about, you know, these kind of like this sort of shunting system in order to like sort of help different levels of, you know, reality or whatever, bear the, like bear the, the load. I don't think that necessarily explains Larry because I, I don't think that's an accident. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wonder if maybe Larry was there to distract her just long enough to make sure that maybe she missed someone who was coming the other way. Right. You know, what do you think? I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe Larry knew that she was someone who had always had his side and wanted to say goodbye in his oh, own okay. weird way. Just sign off kind of thing. Interesting. Well, I mean, no, I mean, I trust your, uh, your intuition with these things. It just, it, it reminded me a little bit of a woman I know from Revelstoke who was driving home from work one day. She always took the same route home from work at night. She, she right. worked graveyards. And then one day she had this voice in her head say, no, 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 turn, turn here. And so right. she took a slightly altered route and she was T-boned. Oh, no. Car. Yeah. And it, it fucked her up pretty good. But if she had continued down her normal route and I, we sort of, we talked about this after and, and I, I'm pretty sure this is the case. If she had continued the way she ordinarily would, she still would have hit the car, but she likely would have hit it after it had achieved a much higher speed. Oh. So even though the voice seems like, you know, it, it really kind of screwed her over by turning her into the wind, it, it actually, may have actually. Yeah. Minimized. It, 
Yeah, or, or minimize the damage that she incurred. Wow, that's so, wild. Yeah, so yeah, you never knows? know. You never know. Our last story comes from Jacqueline. This first story is a little long and happened about 12 to 13 years ago to my best friend and I while we were still in high school. We lived right outside Charleston, South Carolina, and at the time we were at her grandparents' house, which is in an older, upscalish, well-established neighborhood right on a marsh. Most of the people in this neighborhood are older, retired, and have what we call in the South, old money. This particular night, my friend and I were hanging out in my car after work, with the two front windows down about an inch or so in the driveway. It was probably about 10.30 or 11 at night, so the streets were quiet, there wasn't anybody outside, her grandparents were in bed. The street her grandparents live on ends at a stop sign, with another street running perpendicular to where the house sits. And you can only turn left or right, as the marsh is in the backyards of the houses across from the stop sign. My friend and I were sitting sideways in our seats, facing each other, with my back to the road at the end of the street. We were talking and goofing around as per usual, when I see my friend's facial expression change from giddiness to something like concern. She tells me she just saw someone walking down the street near the stop sign. What was weird was that she couldn't make out any features despite them having to go under the streetlights. They just appeared as a dark mass. We decided we'll keep an eye out for them since they have to come back that way as the street they're on dead ends. We continued hanging out for probably another 10 minutes when she mentions she hadn't seen the person come back from the end of the street. Hmm, weird, but whatever. So we start goofing off again and talking when I hear a sound like an animal scurrying through the leaves in the yard. A few seconds later, I hear it again, and it sounds a bit closer. I tell my friend to be quiet so we can listen and try and figure out what kind of critter is out there. She shuts up, and we take a few seconds to listen and hear the scurrying again, but this time, it's even closer. No big deal. Critters are common, so we're not really concerned. It's just weird that it would be so close with how loud we're being in the car. A few more minutes go by, and we decide to head in the house for a bathroom break and a drink. We get out of the car, talking still, and turn to walk to the house, when I hear the scurrying again, but now it's way closer. I stop. My friend stops. The scurrying stops. Now I'm getting weirded out. Mind you, we still hadn't seen the person walking back, even though we kept watching for them. We start heading towards the front door again, and the sound starts up as well. This time, my friend hears it, and we stop. The noise stops. Now we're both getting weirded out. But we continue towards the porch, walking a little faster this time. What do you know? The sound of the scurrying speeds up as well, and we take off. Right before we get to the front door, it sounds like it's right behind us, and we are freaking out. We get into the house and shut and lock the door. We stand there calming our nerves and laughing for being such chickens. Whatever kind of critter it could have been wouldn't be anything that could hurt us. So now we're in the house. All the main lights are off. Only a couple of small lamps are on so that the house isn't totally dark. The house is set up so that when you're in the foyer, you can go straight through to the living room or through it and to the right down a longish hallway. That hallway intersects with another shorter hallway, which is where the bedrooms and bathrooms are located. To the left of the foyer is a sitting room that leads into the kitchen. My friend goes left towards the kitchen and I go right towards the bathroom. Almost immediately after entering the bathroom, I hear my friend talking. Obviously, I can't make out what she's saying. She's on the opposite side of the house. I continue handling my business, but still hear her, and it sounds like she's getting closer to where I am. I finish up, and as soon as I open the door, I see my friend. She comes rushing up to me, telling me I'm not funny and stop trying to scare her. 
I look at her like she's crazy. I'd been in the bathroom the whole time. She has a look of disbelief on her face. And then she tells me that as soon as she gets in the kitchen, she heard me call her name. She rounds the corner into the living room and sees me walking out towards the hallway. She said she had called my name, but I was ignoring her. So she decides to follow me, thinking I just didn't hear her or something was wrong with the toilet and the bathroom, which was not unusual. As she turns the corner to the hallway, I open the bathroom door, straightening my clothes, and asks if she'd been calling me. Her face goes white. She then tells me she was talking to me, but I was ignoring her. So she followed, but she didn't expect me to use the bathroom that fast. I inform I'd been in there since we first parted ways after coming in the house. She swore she saw me and thought I was just trying to scare her after what had happened outside. Had I not been so freaked out myself, I probably would have tried to scare her, but I was still weirded out and trying to calm down. At this point, we were seriously freaked out and decided we were staying at my house that night. We ran through anything and everything we could think of that could have happened that night. Was it just an animal outside? Did the person walking live on that dead-end street and that's why we hadn't seen them return? Were her nerves bad and that's why she thought she saw me? We didn't come up with any plausible explanations. Little did we know, that was just the beginning of more weird things that would happen to us over the next few weeks. This incident happened just a week or so after my previous story. This time, my best friend and I are at my house, and my dad was out of town. Our house backs up to a fairly busy road, but we've never had any issues with it being so close. About 100 to 150 feet from the road to back door. My dad has two Lhasa Apsos, Tibetan guard dogs similar to Shih Tzus, that bark at anything that gets remotely close to our house. Keep that in mind as you read. So, this particular night, my best friend and I had been hanging out again, watching TV in my room. It was getting late, so we were winding down. As we were laying in my bed, we heard what sounded like plastic grocery bags rustling in the kitchen. I got up to make sure that the dogs hadn't somehow opened the cabinet where we keep our stash and saw that both dogs were laying on the floor of my room. I still decided to go check it out and didn't find anything amiss. The cabinet is closed. There's nothing on the floor anywhere. The air isn't running. Nothing. I got back into bed and tried to go to sleep, but felt a little weirded out. I lay there for about five minutes, when out of nowhere, we heard a huge bang. It sounded like something large hitting glass, and I just knew one of our back windows was going to be busted. It was such a forceful impact, the sound reverberated a bit and shook the house ever so slightly. My friend and I jumped out of bed and ran out of my room to check the house. My room, the dining room, and my dad's room all have windows on the rear side of the house, which, if you remember, backs up to the road. We checked everywhere. No broken glass, no cracks, dents, nothing. We checked the front windows, the doors, the garage door, everything, and didn't find anything that looked like it had been forcefully struck. We even went so far as to investigate the front and backyard to try and locate anything that could have been flung up from a passing car or thrown at the house, even though it was unlikely to have made it over the fence to hit it, let alone that forcefully. Again, we found nothing. Now we're freaked out and absolutely clueless as to what could have happened. I was so concerned I even called my dad thinking maybe he had an idea of what it could have been. Needless to say, he didn't offer any valuable insight. We didn't sleep that night. And just before we go on to the next story, I, I want to say I've actually heard of this before. Uh, a friend of mine in Revelstoke, this happened at his house. Mm -hmm. uh, he His house is it's haunted. And he was, I think he was working in the garage when he heard what sounded like he, he he's on a corner. And so he thought a car had crashed into his house. Oh, wow. So it must have been really loud. Really, really loud. But he went into the house, and as I recall, his wife, I don't think she'd heard it. Oh, wow. 
And not only that, they, they found they did, however, find a broken pane of glass. It was on the uh, the back door of the house, if I remember correctly. Mm. And the middle pane was cracked all the way through. That That's is it. wild. That is so weird, eh? Yeah. And, and I remember, too, running into a guy in a coffee shop once and just striking up a conversation, as you do. And somehow, because it always goes this way, he ended up telling me a sort of a ghost story. And it was the same thing. He was from Seattle. Yeah. And his family's house down in the Burbs, he was in there by himself as a grown man. And he heard this incredible crash and he just booked it right out of the house. Wow. And when he finally worked up the nerve to go back inside, nothing had changed except one of the cabinet doors was exploded. Hmm. Yeah. Not one good. Of the last, no, not good. That's, you <laughs> know, going to cost money. <laughs> but uh, no explanation. And certainly <laughs> nothing that matched the incredible noise he heard. No. So weird ghosts hate windows (laughs) this incident happened about a week after the loud bang on my dad's house this time it was just me at home i was getting ready for bed because i had school the next day and went through my usual routine shower dress brush teeth put phone on charger get in bed my phone plugs in right next to my bed and i usually lay it near my head so i don't miss any of my numerous alarms i went to sleep and woke up incredibly late the next morning clearly i had missed my alarms I was thinking maybe I'd turned them off unknowingly, but couldn't find my phone anywhere. It wasn't in my bed, not tangled in my covers, not under my bed or under my pillows. I checked everywhere and could not find it. I was a teenager at the time and my phone was my lifeline, so I was starting to get irritated because I knew I'd put it on the charger the night before. I finally gave up and started to get ready for school. Now let me mention that my closet is on the wall opposite my bed, probably about five feet from where I sleep. The doors to it are usually closed most of the way. So I open them and what do I find? My phone. It was laying on top of some of the clothes in the bottom of my closet and I have no idea how it got there. I know for a fact I'd put it on the charger the night before. I have never sleepwalked and don't have any memory or mental problems. I was so confused and irritated. I finished up getting ready and went to school. And the first chance I got, I told my best friend about what had happened. And she said she was just as confused as as me. We went through every possible scenario that could have ended with my phone being there, but nothing made sense or even seemed plausible. She'd also been having weird things happening to her, but nothing like this. At this point, given the previous happenings, we were convinced that something had attached itself to us. This conclusion was based off numerous little happenings with no logical explanation. I won't go into all, as most of the little things have been fogged over with the time that has passed. I say all that to say when I got home that evening and got ready for bed, I told whatever it was to leave me alone because it was scaring me and I didn't appreciate it. I told it that if it wasn't hanging around to help me by providing the winning lottery numbers or doing my homework, then it wasn't welcome in my space. I was stern yet respectful. I told whatever it was that it needed to move on and that I hoped it found whatever or whoever it was looking for. I wished it peace and told it again that it wasn't welcome in my space and I never experienced anything else. My best friend, on the other hand, continued to have weird things happen to her until she too told whatever it was to leave her alone. So thank you for that suite of stories, Jacqueline. And Mm -hmm. that is a lot of activity. That is. And it's kind of cool that it had an ending that she created. Yeah, I I really like that too. Again, and I think it shows you, and it's a great reminder rather, that you you have control over this to a large Mm -hmm. degree. Mm Mm-hmm. You can control your fear. Mm-hmm. You know, fear is a response and yeah. it's hard 
and it, it often makes it feel like like you have no control but you very much do right and you have more control than you think you do absolutely and, and i think the the things that try to fuck with you the entities you know that, that try to cause this reaction they know that you hold the key that you have the power mm-hmm. and they work really hard to make you think you don't mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's kind of true about shitty bosses too, actually. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> Satan and undercover boss have the same weak spot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, just before we go, I wanted to mention that uh, Jacqueline's first story there actually reminded me of a friend of mine who saw a shadow person while she was out walking and was actually overtaken by it. Like it, it sort of walked up behind her very quickly. Right. And so she managed to kind of, you know, protect herself and then she went home this thing followed her all the way home oh no and couldn't get in the house but it it has waited outside their house and oh no and this is a couple of years ago and i believe it's still out there from time to time yikes I, I was talking to um her her partner another friend of mine and every now and again he'll say that you can see something peering in the window and it's not <laughs> i know right not okay the original peeping tom <laughs> forever yeah exactly yeah exactly he's got nothing but time <laughs> so thank you ever so much for your stories guys i can't tell you how much we appreciate it if you have a story you want to share send it to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com and we will do our best to get it into a show we read every email we get even if you don't get a response we are reading them and it's just that we receive so much email at this point it, it's hard to keep up and, and yeah. we'll address that a little bit in the c segment but uh, thank you again to everyone who's, whose stories we shared on this show. And we look forward to hearing more from you. <laughs> we'll be right back with our patron shoutouts and listener mail. Full-length record from Seattle's Ride at the Dojo is available now. Find it on iTunes and streaming platforms everywhere. Ride at the Dojo. Black Box. The battle has only just begun. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, to the rest of the team, Luke Greensmith, Anthony Germain, and Sarah Kent for their help on this and every episode. Uh, these guys just, again, we couldn't do the show without you. And Anthony, I know you're listening. You, Anthony is working really, really hard. He's doing 12-hour days now up north. Wow. So, I know, right? The crazy bastard. But uh, we're, we're thinking of you down here, man, and we hope that it is going well. All right. So first up, of course, we have our patron shoutouts. As always, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we'd especially like to thank our most recent patrons. They are Caitlin can tell me Jane P. Lamb, Marianne Masinski, Diane Durbin, Lisa Hammerly, Carlos Sebastian Campos Alvarez, Jess Julie, Kate Davis, Mickey Macri, Will Stebbins, Tanya Downing, Rocky, 
Marie Lothian. And I have to add here, uh, Marie told me that the reason she is giving us her patron uh, sponsorship is because she is trapped at home with a two-year-old and we are the only thing that is helping her survive lockdown. <laughs> and I said for that, uh, possibly we're superheroes. <laughs> she, she thought that maybe adding capes to our merch was a good idea. <laughs> uh, well, as we all learned from The Incredibles, no capes. No capes. Capes are a bad idea. And if anyone's going to trip over a cape, it's going to be me. Or, or, or God or me. I, my legs are not long. <laughs> but hey, I'm, I'm happy we can help. I'm, ho- I'm happy Absolutely. to help distract you. And we and, are so uh, grateful to everybody who, who sponsors us in this way because it makes a massive difference to how much we can do with the show and literally keeps the show going. So thank you so much for all your support. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, it, we're at the point now where I can draw a small salary and, and focus on the show as a part-time job. Mm-hmm. So Which actually, is not something I don't think we ever thought would happen. So it's pretty great. No, no, yeah. God, no. No. But me have some kind of creative success? No, I never saw this coming. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> you'll find a way to fuck it up. Don't worry. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll just torture myself with not being good enough. You know, that's, yeah. There you go. There you there go. go. <laughs> I'm too Catholic to fuck it up. I'll just feel bad about succeeding. There you go. Perfect. But uh, yeah, thank you so much. And if you want to join the team, head on over to patreon.com slash ghost story guys. That's patreon.com slash ghost story guys. From there, you can find information on all the great stuff you get from becoming a patron, including access to the cabin fever and chicken talk shows, which are usually monthly. And it's just uh, more opportunities for us to share stuff about our lives, what we've been up to that it just doesn't fit into the main show anymore. Get access to our monthly live shows and so much more. We have physical rewards. It's it's all there at patreon.com slash ghost story guys. But remember though, too, if you, if you can't support us financially, just listening is enough. Knowing you're out there means the world to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can always shoot us a message. And ordinarily, this is when we would do our listener mail segment, but this space is under renovation. Ordinarily, what we like to do here is we would read the names of the people who'd gotten in touch. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Oh, in between each show. Yeah, in between each show. But what's starting to happen is that list is getting longer and longer. And we realize that no one probably wants to hear 70 names, which it would be this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, 70 names read out in sequence. Yeah. So we are working on a way to uh, maybe present selections from the email we get. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, you know, sort of, so we we still want to uh, to share what you share with us, with everyone else. But we have to find a way to do it that's still engaging. It doesn't kind of grind things to a halt. As well, I and I think it makes it a little more meaningful too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Instead of just sort yeah. of a, like a one-off. Yeah, no, I agree. So so thank you to everyone who reached out. I know it was a lot of you. And it just, again, means the world to us that you care enough to, to send in your comments, your questions, your gentle criticisms. <laughs> we love it all. And you can send those to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. And we are on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash ghostoryguys, Twitter at twitter.com slash ghostoryguys, and Instagram at instagram.com slash ghostoryguys. But if you want to send us a story, please send it to the email. Yeah. Uh, That is the best way to do it. Unless, of course, you want to submit to the ghost line. Huge thanks to our listener, Amber Pease, for her amazing ghost line jingle. If you have a comment 
or story for the show, you can call the ghost line at one 588 6920 That is a toll-free number, and I believe can be reached from anywhere in North America. So you can leave us a voicemail. You can leave your story as one or a series of voicemails, or if you just, again, have a comment or uh, something you'd like to tell us, then you can leave that there too. And I am really uh, thrilled to say that we actually got a, a really lovely voicemail that uh, we are going to play part of. This listener didn't leave their name, and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's a sentiment that matters, and so we're going to play that now. It really means a lot to me the way that you guys talk about mental health, both how you've struggled with mental health in the past and how you're currently struggling with it now. And it helps me that the people I listen to, you guys, talk about mental health in almost a nonchalant way, just that, yeah, it happens. This is what it is. You're not adding any value or judgment to it. It just is. I've never struggled with alcoholism, but one of your episodes, the story was about how the ghost, you know, really stopped the guy from drinking that extra beer in secret. And you had, you know, words of wisdom for this guy. And you took a moment to talk about alcoholism and mental health. That also means a lot to me. I I think because you show your values so clearly, I, I mean, you make raunchy jokes about, I, you know, sex and women, but you don't devalue women. You make it really clear where your values are, that you value people. That makes it even more fun to listen to you. Listening to you guys share who you are means a lot to me. And unnamed listener, uh, we just want to say thanks to you because that that's really nice. And, and that you know means- what else? It, it really makes me feel like we're being heard. Yeah, that's right? it. We talk about mental health because mental health matters, Mm -hmm. you know, and I didn't know that like Ian and I, you know, Ian's older than I am, but not by a bunch as much as I like to bug him. (laughs) And we grew up in a time when you didn't talk about mental health. Right. And not necessarily that it was always a taboo. It just wasn't a thing. No. And if there was something like that, you kept it to yourself. Yeah, that's it. Like looking back at high school now, I understand so much about myself. Now that I know I have depression, right? You know, I understand so much of it. I just thought I literally got it in my head that everyone hated me, but you know, no, it was this gremlin in my head. And, and I mean, I'm still not medicated. I was briefly, it didn't go real well because I kind of had a bad doctor and you know, they put me on the wrong meds, but I'm, I'm unmedicated now and I manage pretty well with diet, with diet and exercise. But, um, you know, sometimes it just throws you a curveball and you just live with it, you know, and you do your best and you fix it. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, and so I, I'm glad that, it, that that has some value to you and for people listening. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if you want to get in touch, as I mentioned, one 6920 is the number for the ghost line. You can also text us at 925-553-4789. Again, that's 925-553-4789. You can text us uh, pictures, videos, whatever you like. And um, again, if you send us a text message, we'll play it on the show or we'll mention it on the show. 925-553-4789. It's a U.S. number, so if you're outside the U.S., you may have to pay international texting, depending on where you are, but uh, that is the text number for the ghost line. Moving on to news, I think the only thing we have is um, I did that interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was interviewed by uh, Richard Spazoff, I believe his name was. Okay. And uh, yeah, he has a radio show down in the U.S., so um, I'll post a link to that in the show notes. I, and it was it was fun talking to him. He was, he's a good guy. 
Uh, mostly, I think I told stories that, I mean, you may have heard on the show before, but uh, again, if you want to hear me tell them, or Richard, you can find the link in the show notes or by following the link at ghostoryguys.com. Nice. Anything else? Um, no, I'm going to be doing ghost walks all through July. That's exciting for me. Oh, sure. So go ahead. Yeah. On Thursday nights all through July, we'll be doing ghost walks. It's a bit different, of course. So only 10 people per walk. And you have to get your tickets at a time online. But I am so looking forward to being able to go back and uh, uh, and do them again. So, yay. And one day when the border reopens, uh, we look forward to seeing some of our American listeners up again. Because I know mm-hmm. we've had the opportunity to meet some cool people. And, uh, yeah, hopefully again in the future we'll be able to do that. If you want to pick up some Ghost Story Guys merch, head on over to our website at ghoststoryguys.com. Follow the link there to our T Public store where you can find all our merch. If you do order something like a t-shirt or a mug, make sure to forward us your receipt and we'll send you a Ghost Story Guys logo sticker as a thank you. If you want to pick up signed copies of our books, you can head on over to ghoststoryguys.bigcartel.com. Again, we have signed books, we have Ghost Story Guys pins, and we just restocked our Steve the Cheese Demon die cut stickers. Yay! Yes, so those are always a limited time thing. We only get a few. But uh, yeah, if you want to pick up one of those, head on over to ghoststoryguys.bigcartel.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Helps uh, bump the numbers, attract more eyes to the show. And we've had some lovely, lovely reviews. So thank you to everyone who's been doing it. We, we really do appreciate it. Yeah, we know it takes some time out of your day and you sort of got to go out of your way to do it. But we really do appreciate it. A hundred percent. Our theme song, Radio Into the Darkness We Go, is composed and performed by Peter of Pizzanta Music. You can find more from him at soundcloud.com slash Music. His new album is out, and I got the name wrong on the last show, and Peter sent me kind of a teasing message, which was funny. Uh, I called it Lo-Fi Afternoon. It is Lo-Fi Evening. Oh, you got the wrong time of day. Wrong time of day. (laughs) Yeah, Lo-Fi (laughs) Mid-Afternoon. Lo-Fi Elevensies. Yeah, Lo-Fi Munch. (laughs) Make it British. Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, so Peter's new album is called Lo-Fi Evening 4. You can find that everywhere you stream your music. And we have actually just added uh, not only that, but another release from him, which is Beat Night. And that is one of his older releases that he has remastered and we've managed to get out on streaming. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So all of that is at Pizzanta Music, everywhere you stream your music, and you will find it there. Our story's theme is The Future Belongs to Them Now by Hexagram. That's Hexagram with two X's, not three. You can find more from them by searching for Hexagram wherever you stream your music or by going to hexagram.bandcamp.com. All other music and sound effects on this show are provided courtesy of Epidemic Sound. If you're looking for podsafe music and sound effects for your next project, head on over to epidemicsound.com to check them out. I guess that's going to do it. Mm-hmm. We'll be back in two weeks with another show, and until then, into the darkness we go. Oh, you heard that? Eh? Uh, yeah. The people <laughs> in the upper apartment heard that. Well, it'll toughen them up. <laughs> Follow your dreams. Unless your dreams are stupid, then don't. I started writing it. Oh, guess who's here? Well, yeah, that's fair. That's, that's fair. <laughs> you have, you definitely have more points. <laughs>
I mean, I would still be doing that. So <laughs> we have very different outlooks on this. It's just not healthy. I, I mean, I can leave it in the show if you want. I just no, don't no, think I'm good. Would. It has no place in the show. <laughs> I think there might be a pulling back the curtain a little too much. <laughs> I guess I'm not leaving that in the show. Either. <laughs> Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.